Welcome to Get a Grip with Shane Bacon, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Get a Grip. Hope you guys are having a great week. Should be a fun podcast for you today. Andy Johnson of the Fried Egg and the Shotgun Start joins to discuss the top 10 players of the last 10 years on the PGA Tour. We were uh, thinking about a topic like this after Jordan Spieth won uh, over the weekend and, you know, just kind of accumulating those PGA Tour victories. I started to think about, is Tiger on the list? Is Phil on the list? Are these young guys on the list? If you go back to 2013, so I texted Andy and uh, he did a robust uh, chart and numbers and Excel spreadsheet that you'll hear about, which I think you'll really enjoy. So I hope you guys are fired up for this one. I thought it was a great chat. Uh, and we had some of the same. We had some not make each other's lists. And uh, he had one that I didn't even think about. So uh, it was definitely a fun conversation. Hope you guys enjoy that. Before we get going, I did want to tell you about one thing. Uh, I started a logo design company with my friend Kate Smith, who uh, is playing professional golf and is working on these logos and doing an amazing job. She's such a cool person and she's such an amazing designer. But we started, it's called Ground Under Repair. We started it about six, seven months ago, and we've had a lot of great work. We've done a lot of really great stuff already, and um, and it's really cool. And I just wanted to tell you guys on the podcast about it if you hadn't heard about it. Uh, you can check us out on Instagram. It's at gur.design, so gur, like Ground Under Repair, .design. We also have a website now. It's www.gurdesigns.com, designs with an S. Uh, and I, we do logos, we do buddies trips, we do one-offs. We've kind of done it all already, and uh, it's been very, very cool project. You know me and my hats and my obsession with good golf logos, so it's been very cool to be in that world. So that was something I wanted to let you guys know about on the podcast if you didn't know about it. And with that, let's get to our guest. And as mentioned, joined now by Andy Johnson of the Fried Egg, the Shotgun Start. You can follow him online at andytfe. One of my favorite people in the golfing world, Andy. You were uh, you were chatting a little bit about Jordan Spieth on Monday on the Shotgun Start with Brendan, and you were talking a little bit about Marco Mira comps, uh, and it got me thinking about Jordan Spieth over the last ten years, which got me thinking about the last ten years in golf. And so I presented you with an idea where you and I would make a list of the ten best golfers of the last ten years. Uh, I know you needed more homework, so I figured I'd throw this your way. Yeah, you know, these are these are types of questions that you have to think about and, and do a lot of work. So I, I thank you. You know, you you occupied my Tuesday night, but it was a delightful exercise. I really enjoyed it. And, you know, I think it put a lot of things into perspective for me uh, with regards to who's been great and who's been really good and who do we think of maybe a little too highly than uh, than they deserve to be thought of? Uh, of the last 10 years. So I need to give a shout out to the great Justin Ray, of course, crushing it at the 21st group. You can follow him at Justin Ray Golf. Um, I just asked him for some information. So we're going back to the start of the 2013 season. That was one of the last non-wraparound years. Um, so just some kind of stats for you, Andy, before we get going on our list. Most PGA Tour wins since the start of 2013. Dustin Johnson has 18. Rory and JT at 14, Mr. Jordan Spieth, A.K. Mark O'Meara. At 13, Jason oh, Day at 11. On. Those I are the only man. players. Rich man, <laughs> Mark O'Meara. Okay, fair enough. And then those are the only five in double-digit wins uh, since 2013. And then multiple major championships since the beginning of the 2013 season. Brooks Kepka with four, Spieth with three, Morikawa, DJ, Phil, Rory, all 
with two. So before we start with our list, do you have a list of snubs of names that did not make your top 10 list that you would say are surprising or were hard to kind of leave off your list? You know, I don't I don't necessarily think so. I think where where my list like what you, what you see is the people I created a point system. So I I got analytical okay. and created a point system. But what you see is great players who haven't played 10 years that didn't make my top 10. So the likes of Colin Morikawa who's like played 3 of of 10 years and is very near, very close to being in the top 10. Um, and then Bryson DeChambeau is another one that's at like 50%. He's played five years, but he falls short of the number to be in the top 10 of the last 10 years. So to me, it's more those guys that just haven't had enough time to compile a big enough body of work to make it into there, but are definitely heading there when we, if we redid this exercise in four or five years. So I don't have Colin Morikawa on mine as well. Of course, has the two major championships. I don't have Bubba Watson on my list. Eight wins in a major um, going back to the start of 2013. I did not include Adam Scott, who has six wins in a major. And I did not include John Rahm, fifth most weeks at wow. world number one during that stretch. And of course, a lot of victories as well in John Rahm. Uh, he is not on my list. So those are kind of my snubs. I'm assuming with the wow, I can't that believe Rahm's not on your list. Well, we'll get into it. Uh, you know what? Let's get into it. I want to start because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a reason why John Rahm is not on my top 10. My number 10, 10th best player of the last 10 years is a man we've talked a lot about in 2022, Mr. Phil Mickelson. Now, I'll give you a little resume of Phil Mickelson the last 10 years. Just five wins, which I would say is one of the glaring kind of issues with Phil being on this list. Now that's five PGA Tour wins. He of course won the Scottish Open in 2013 as well, a big victory there. The big part for me here Andy with Phil being in the top 10 is the majors. He has as many major wins as Roy McIlroy in that stretch and how impactful they were for not just golf but for Phil's legacy. You go to the Open of course and becoming the oldest major winner last year at the PGA. But I also think it's important that it's not just the ones he won, but it's how many majors he was truly in contention in. Marion in 2013, the PGA in 2014, very close to win there. He obviously got Stinson in that incredible open at Royal Troon where he shot 17 under, which would have won every other open the last decade outside of a tie with Rory in 2014. Even the 2015 Masters, Spieth was going to win that thing. But if you remember, Phil made eagle on 15, at least got himself around that second place number, which, you know, if somebody falls apart late, you have a chance to, to kind of sneak away like Nick Faldo would do with some of those masters he won so i feel like he was really in contention at seven major championships winning two of them and i know he didn't have the most victories but to me phil mickelson's last 10 years were an enormous part of his legacy an enormous part of the story of golf really going back to 2013 well i think that's the the thing if you phil was just outside for me uh he didn't make it in and i i i obviously put numbers to this. So the numbers were, were the number system was created to effectively count relevance. So the way my, my system works is that you get seven points for a major win. You get five points for a player's win. Okay. You get three points for a WGC FedEx cup playoff or Riviera Bay Hill Memorial win, you know, okay. just 
just the idea is relevance. If you win one of those those tournaments, you're relevant for a couple weeks, right? So they deserve more points than just a regular major or regular tour win. So those get three points. And then a major top five gets one point. Nice. And a uh, PGA Tour win or European Tour win gets one point. Okay. So that's my system. You get no points for anything else. Which... Okay. This is like you're this is Zach low level stuff. I'm very impressed by this. I mean, do you have like is it like an Excel spreadsheet on your computer right now that you're looking at? Yes. I have an Excel okay. spreadsheet. I I did every relevant player and then a lot of young players that are kind of going up. But Phil the thing you see is he, when he popped, he popped. And I think this is his late, right. ca- late career fill, right? Is that he had a lot of really relevant moments, but he wasn't consistent enough for me to be in the top 10. Um, it was kind okay. of, hey, he pops in, but then we don't hear from him for a year. It's kind of like, you know, it, it, you can synopse it, it, sum it all up with with the PGA. Comes out and completely nowhere has missed, you know, effectively a year's worth of cuts wins the PGA and then doesn't make another cut for like the, the rest of the year. You know, that was the perfect, completely irrelevant for a calendar year, except for one week. And for me to be a top 10 player in the last 10 years, I need a little bit more staying power, a little bit more relevance consistently. So my number 10 I, I mean, is Bubba Watson. Well, I was just going to say, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good point on Phil. And, uh, you know, I mean, obviously I think without the win at the PGA last year, he's probably not on my list. I think that was such an enormous win. And obviously it's a little bit of recency bias on our mind. Uh, I'm not going to throw out that he won four times on the champs tour, but you did go Bubba. You did include Bubba number 10. I I did include Bubba. He gets a huge bump in my system because of the Riviera wins. So if you, you know, I think Riviera is at that level. I think last year, nine of the top 10 players in the world, maybe all 10, uh, the year before, nine of the top ten players, you're beating the best fields in field in golf. I, I care about when everybody shows up, who wins, who walks away with the trophy. I think those are big moments in golf. So Bubba Watson with three Riviera wins and two other WGC wins has a really good, you know, resume on top of the major uh championship. And but where he's light is on um you know, other major top fives. That's where it's really interesting to see profiles. Like he, he makes his hay and gets into this top 10 because of the, the winning, the big tour events and which includes that match play, another WGC. So Bubba Watson gets the 10th spot for me. And then at number nine with the same amount of points in this system is John Rahm. So I've got John Rahm at number nine. He had 20, the, the total points is 25 total points. And he did it in just four years. It's absolutely astounding. He would be on pace to be at the level of the number one player on my list, number one or number two player. He's right in that ballpark. So when you start to look at John Rahm and the body of work he's putting together, he is going to be one of the players of this, this 10 year period, whenever his, you give him his first year. You know, I mean, for me, and, and I know you guys had this debate a lot, and I had this debate a lot myself, is, you know, how important are wins? You know, how much are victories weighed and how we talk about you and how we think about you compared to other players? And when you dive into John Rahm, that's where he's lacking. He's lacking on victories. Now, you know, he would have had another one with the Memorial, obviously, if, if not for the COVID, you know, exit after 54 holes. I mean, that's unfortunate, and that's something that will be lost in history, right? 
that'll be another PGA Tour win. Kind of going back to while we're doing this, I mean, Jordan Spieth winning the Heritage isn't going to be an event that we talk about in 20 years. But again, it's piling the resume. It's piling the victory resume and upping that count of wins. My number nine is Hideki for this reason. I mean, Hideki's number nine on my list. Eight wins on the PGA Tour. Eight wins during the stretch on the Japan Golf Tour, which again, it's winning. And it's important to win, of course, as a major championship. This is a guy that's four and I one. I only counted playoff. one Japan Open win as as a point. <laughs> okay, I gave him one. Well, I have a. I like that you just snuck the one point in there. I have eight Japan Golf Tour wins since 2013. Four and one in playoffs on the PGA Tour. Two and zero oh in playoffs on the Japan Golf Tour. He won the Hero in 2016. Of course, that's not something that we count a lot, but another victory. And he has a really sneaky good major resume uh, over the last 10 years. He's missed just five cuts in majors since 2013, which again. That's impressive to me, making it to the weekend, kind of always being around and relevant. We look at top 10s, we look at top 25s, but I like to look at, you know, how many missed cuts you have in these major championships because those are the weeks that you're expecting your game to be peaking and to be locked in. And when you play terrible for two days and don't make it to Saturday, to me, that is a gut punch and disappointing for these great players. So Hideki's number nine for me, uh, just considering the way he's won a lot all over the world. I think the thing Hideki fell just short on mine. He was uh, he would have been number he tied for number eleven with Pat Reed. Um, and with with Hideki, I think the thing that you could also point to is that there was a period of golf where he was the best player in the world, and he didn't get to number one in the world. But there was that what he when he rattled off four wins in six weeks or six starts, um, just really spectacular stuff that he put together, I want to say it was the end of 2017 uh, or 2018, where he was just sensational and the best player on the planet. And I think that has another, you know, if you wanted to get into like some, some aspect of it, it, the case for me putting Hideki into the top 10 would be that, that there was a period of time where he was the best player in the world without a doubt. And I think that is a, a very important factor in all of this like you know if you're looking at a top 10 guy over the course of 10 years they almost need to to have that and that would be my strike against Bubba Bubba was never the best player in the world but but Hideki was you're talking about a stretch where on October 30th 2016 he won the WGC HSBC then in December he won the hero and by the way he won that uh if you remember he won that HSBC event by seven shots he shot 66, 65, 68, 66, which is uh, salty. And then he won the Hero in December. And then in 2017, he won the Waste Management and then won Bridgestone uh, in August. So he had kind of four wins, but three really quickly to your point. October, December, February, he won three events, including that playoff uh, over Webb Simpson. So that's kind of the run where it I felt like say, Hideki had kind of taken his. I want to say there's that? a Dunlop Phoenix win in there, too. You know, there, you might be missing a Japan Tour win. In that in that little concentration, the Dunlop Phoenix was 2014. By the way, very interesting that you remember that. But he won the Japan Open in that's October of 2016. So to your point, there it is. And you know, I mean, that's as, as big of a event as you're going to find on the Japan Golf Tour. So that would be four wins, all four being big events um, and kind of different types of events. But yeah, that was the run you're talking about where it felt like Hideki was the best player in the world. Uh, who's your number eight? All right, so number eight. Someone that you just mentioned didn't even make your list, which is ridiculous, by the way. It's ridiculous that this person's not in your top 10. Pat Reed? It's Pat Reed, baby. Number eight, Patrick Reed, uh, nine PGA Tour wins, 
one major. Now, I know you did your point system. I did a big four point system. So I did uh, majors, players, WGCs, and FedEx playoff events, okay? I did not do the ribs, the Bay Hills, and the memorials, but I did the big four in, in terms of the last 10 years. Five of his nine wins were, wins were big four wins. Of course, a part of the most electric moment in post-1999 Ryder Cup history, 7-3-2 all-time in the Ryder Cup, 3-0-0 in singles. Uh, probably the best modern example, Andy, of getting the absolute most out of your game. I feel like he's got to be a top 10 player of the last 10 years. I'm actually surprised that he didn't make your list. I'm surprised he's not higher on either of our lists. Well, he falls short. It's, you know, with my point system, it's very clear to look and see where he falls short. And where Andy, Pat Reed falls system. short is that he doesn't contend in enough majors. He He's not around enough. At an, and I think this is clearly points to the deficiencies of his game. He's not a great driver of the golf ball. He's obviously a spectacular iron player, spectacular wedge player, spectacular putter, but not driving the golf ball well really limits how many golf courses he's relevant on. And I think that's the thing. He obviously had the major win. He has some big event wins, you know, huge events. And he has a, a, enough PGA Tour wins. I think, I mean, in total, he's got nine wins over the over the last 10 years. That's really good. Almost a win a year. But again, with Pat Reed, He's never been the best player in the world. He's never, you know, I don't think he's ever been one of the five best players really in the world either. Like he would never, if you were playing pickup basketball, pick up golf, he's never going to be a guy that you're picking with one of your first picks of, I want, I'm taking that guy on my team. He's always going to be kind of in that tier two at, at best. And it's limiting because he just doesn't drive the golf ball very well. Nine wins, more than Bryson, more than Brooks, more than Hideki, more than Baba, and more than Tiger over the last 10 years. I love the analogy of the pickup team. You know, I mean, Pat Reed is, if you're thinking, I mean, obviously you're, you and I's mind right now is on the NBA. If you're talking about like championship level players, what do you need to win a championship? Pat Reed is, the, is great if he's your third best player, but you're probably not winning a championship if he's your second best player. And when you're looking at the all-decade team, maybe the second best player in that regard isn't a top 10 player. But I mean, I just kind of look at the wins and the resume. Obviously, the Masters win was enormous for him because you said it, not a lot of great major finishes outside of the Masters victory. He played well at the 2018 US Open as well. But outside of that, I mean, he's not really been around trying to push it and win, but he held off Rory there. You know, I mean, that was impressive. And uh, and obviously, it just kind of adds to what he's done over the last 10 years. He's been a very relevant player. I'd say if you were doing a, a PIP rating of the last 10 years, Reed would probably land in the top 10 on PIP. Cause I mean, he's always in the news. He's always making headlines. And we're always talking about the guy. If you include negative headlines, right? That's what Pip, the PIP does not like negative, but we and burner and burner Twitter accounts. <laughs> Do you, Hey, did your point system take into any negatives? Is, was there any negative points? Take a negative, like you lose points. I should have include like a, a rules controversy. The best part about the point system is I started to think about players that played an entire decade and not garnered one point. And, and those are the, those are like, that's, that's the best. It's like your, your Cam Tringales who have played the entire time on the PGA tour yet and yet to garner one point um, is, is, you know, uh, my eighth, my number eight spot is Justin Rose. He got to world number one wow. Olympic gold medal, which I include in the elevated event category. 
Um, uh, he won a major. Well, you're changing these rules on the fly. What do you mean? I I just forgot. I forgot about the gold medal. You've added now two stipulations to your rules already, and we've been on the phone for 20 minutes. What did I add? I didn't add any other stipulations. Oh yeah, you threw in one one Japan golf point for Hideki, oh. and then now you're throwing in a gold medal. Oh, I, I just I'm a you're, sucker you're laying for... out your plan. I'm a sucker for national opens, okay? Japan I, Open I, I know, and trust Australian me, I know. Open got points, okay? Gotcha. I had to give Australian See, Open. See, add that to your list. Well, it gave Spieth two more wins because he's won two Australian Opens. I go. value people that go over and win national Opens, all right? Um, I think national Opens mean something, and I probably need to go back through with a fine comb and see if anybody snuck an Argentine Open in, you know? Um, but anyways, uh, Justin Rose. So he's got a major win. He's got the U.S. Open. He's got the uh, he's got a WGC, he or a playoff event. I can't remember which one it is. He's got a Olympic gold medal. He had five <clears throat> major championship top fives, and then eight more tour wins uh, between the European Tour and the PGA Tour. On top of that, so he gets to twenty six points in this. And uh, he got to world number one, too. That's the other thing. I think he has to be in your top 10 if you're talking about the last 10 years because he's been such a presence in major championships and big events. He's He was like him and Rory, I think, had the longest streaks in the top 15 in the world rankings. And, and it, it spanned for Rose all the way, I want to say, into like the 2011, 2012s, where he was a top 15 player up until this year or last year. Um, you know, that kind of presence and he's just been relevant for a very long time. When you talk about major championships, he was the first page favorite for almost a decade straight, which I, I think is, you know, that signifies a great player. Uh, next on my list, which was, he was, he was above this category of Bubba, Ram and, uh, and Rose who all had the same points is, uh, Tiger Woods. So Tiger clocks Number in seven. at seven. Yeah. So he has a he has a major championship. He's got a players. He's got four elevated events. And obviously the by making it 10 years, getting 2013 in here was a huge thing for Tiger's case. So he gets he's got four elevated wins, two major top fives, and uh two other tour wins. So also number seven on my list, Mr. Tiger Woods. So we this is the first time we've had the same name in the same spot. Uh I mean, you mentioned it. I mean, eight PJ Tour wins, the major uh, players, player of the year in 2013 when he had those five victories. And I think it's very important, Andy, to point out that this is a guy that made seven starts in 2013-14, 11 and 14-15, one in 16-17, seven in 19-23 in 2021, and of course, just one start this year. Did not play much golf to accumulate those victories, including the major championship win. Uh, and I, I really, I think he makes this list because of 2013. I mean, what he did that year, five wins, eight top tens, 10 top 25s, kind of had a sneaky, stinky major season that year, by the way, considering how well he played. Uh, T4 at the Masters, T32 at the U.S. Open, T6 at the Open, and T40 at the, the PGA. I mean, considering how well he was playing, I think that's probably surprising. But I feel like Tiger had to be in these top 10. I'm glad we both had him kind of around the same spot. Just as a, a little aside, I um so we we did ten years of of stats, ten years for this. So I I decided, and Tiger comes in at seven, in this last decade of golf. 
I decided to look at Tiger's probably best 10 years, which would have been okay. 1999 to 2008 is what I had it as bracketed as. So Tiger gets there in this system to the top 10, just to give you a frame of reference. What gets Andy you in the system. top 10? 28 points gets you number seven. You know, 26 okay. is, is number 10 through eight. Um, gotcha. Tiger from 99 to 2008 would have scored with this system 209 points. Effectively <laughs> 10 times the amount of points. I mean, this system, you might have to make a database. You might have to go Justin Ray on us and throw this together. I mean, that's amazing. That's amazing. I mean, when you do top fives and majors, though, I mean, you know, I mean, when you look at him, like the consistency in the major championships, but just where he won. I mean, you know, well, I mean, he win Bay Hill every time, right? I mean, just those types of golf courses. That's the thing. And the thing about Tiger during that stretch, so he had 13 majors, one players. He had um, 27 elevated event wins. So that's Bay Hill, Memorial, and WGCs. And keep in mind, like, the WGCs were not what they were at the beginning of that. Like they had just barely started, you know, with the NEC um, at, at, uh, at um, where it was at um, Firestone. So then he has 11 top fives and majors, which is more the most anybody has outside of Tiger. Uh, like the most anybody has in this era is Brooks with nine. So he has more right. than, than the most, but he also has 13 wins which aren't included in those top fives. <laughs> and uh, and then the tour wins is 21. So it's just like, you know, you, the thing about Tiger during that period, he only teed it up when the best players in the world were playing and he won at the most preposterous rate. Yeah, I mean, like this strength of field thing that the OWGR does, I mean, kind of focusing on that week to week is so important because it gives you an idea of who you're playing against. And I always say, you know, like, Tiger and now Rory and Spieth and some of these names we're going to get to in a bit. They play one-off events. They'll play random events, the Dean and DeLuca, stuff like that. But for the most part, when you see Tiger winning, he's always beating the best. When you see Rory winning, he's beating the best. That should mean something. And I think that's what's a very important part of the practice is reminding people of what they won, not just how often they won. And of course, Tiger, we mentioned at APJ Tour wins. I mean, they were all at the best events. You know, I mean, just one major in that run. But he won a players during the run. I mean, he was, you know, he had the most impactful victory that we'll remember. There should almost be a little moniker of like attempts to, you know, it's like, this is how many, how many hits. It should be like a batting average in a way. It's like, this is how many points they got in this many attempts, you know? Because Tiger's attempts is so low. Compared to everybody else on this list that we have and people we don't have on this list. As I said, 7-11-1-7-3-1 is a run he had in these 10 years of starts in a season. I mean, that is absolutely absurd. That I can't believe, honestly, I can't believe he won eight times. Like, obviously, 2013 helps. But still, just being on the list of most wins is a reminder of how insane Tiger is, even kind of post-dominance. <laughs> So number six, Andy, and this was where it started to get tricky. I don't know if you had a hard time when it got to six well, had, and, and the, kind of closer. I had the numbers. The numbers let me, you know, I, I was freed by, you know, I just, the number, the numbers told me where the guys are. Who do you have number six? Gotcha. So I, I bet you, you don't have this person number six because I bet his numbers are higher than other people on this list. But for me, number six is Justin Thomas. 
That's who I have. There you go. JT, number six for me. Uh, 14 PGA Tour wins. That's tied with Rory for second most over the last 10 years. Six are in the big four category, six of his 14 wins. Won the PGA, the players, PGA Tour Player of the Year twice, 2017 and 2020, and won a FedEx Cup. Second best scoring average of anybody since the beginning of 2013, only behind John Rahm. And, uh, you know, to me, and I'm sure you'll get into this, uh, the major resume is why he's not top five. It's just the major resume is lacking. Yeah, I, I'll, it's important to point out, too, with JT, is that his his body of work, he, he doesn't complete the full 10 years. So this is an eight-year, really, resume, right? And right. I think that's his, it's been a sensational run, but you're, you're spot on. Outside of his major win, he has two top fives in majors. That, that's just not enough for a player that racks up PGA Tour wins. I mean, the, the win rate is so high, but then you start to dig into the wins. And sure, he's got some big, big wins, but there, a lot of them are against kind of, you know, small, weaker fields events. And, and I right. think this is also, you know, we probably aren't, if you throw out his first year or two as a pro, you know, you start like at 2015, we're only seven years in and where JT's best is going to be best 10 years. We probably haven't, we're probably right in the middle of it right now. So that's an important thing to think about is like, we haven't seen the fully evolved uh, Justin Thomas. One interesting aside that I, I found is like, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that JT is going to get back to world number one. He probably will at some point in his career, but if he doesn't, he will be, he will hold the shortest reign of any player ever as the, uh, at world golf number one with five, just five weeks. Cause Sky Scheffler's at four right now. He would be the next lowest, but Scheffler's going to be there for the next at least 15 to 20 weeks, probably. There wasn't Tom Lehman. Didn't Tom Lehman have some weird world number one thing? Wasn't, wasn't he maybe, like world maybe, number one for, sh- for like one week? I might've missed him when I was doing this. Let's see here. I, I, I thought, I thought Lehman was like a one weeker and that was it. Let's see here. Um, maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm totally wrong here. Ta- here you go. Yeah. So Tom Lehman, one week, uh, Langer oh, one three, week. Yeah. One, and then Langer was just three weeks. Scheffler's been at four and obviously going to keep going. And then you said it, JT. So kind of of this era, JT at five weeks is going to be the shortest. And I think it's a great point. You know, I, I do love what you said, though, about 10, about the rain, right? I think when we get into some of the names we're going to talk about in a bit, Spieth and Rory and DJ, there's obvious arguments we made that we've seen their best, right? I think for Justin Thomas, he seems like one of those players that will age well. Like his game seems like it'll age very well. I think he's only going to get better at the stuff he's not so great at. And so I feel like JT's going to be a bit of an old school player where I could see a lot of success in his mid thirties. Unlike maybe some of these other guys, they're going to struggle to get back to the way they played when they were 22 and 23. Yeah. I think it's just about the putter. I mean, it's, if he can put together a couple seasons where he puts, I mean, the, the year that he won, was it five times in 2017, yes. 2018, 17. Um, 2017 he won five times I think I remember recall his his strokes game putting being like 42nd on tour something in the 40s and it's just if he could just be a above average above, even an average putter he's going to win so much because of how great he is in every other facet of the game 
And I think that's the thing. When you look at JT, he's probably got the highest ceiling of, of any of the guys left here in terms of what he could potentially put together uh, him with Rom and Morikawa and who knows with Scheffler. Um, those are the guys that could be, you know, potentially the Rory's and DJ's of the next generation. It's interesting you bring that up, Andy, about the putting. I did that on golf today uh, before the Masters. We kind of broke some of that down. And in, that's funny you brought up the number 40. It was literally if he finished in the 40s in strokes game putting was when he had his most success. You know, we we look at Morikawa and it, he's been first, right, when he's won these majors. I mean, he's literally led the field in putting. But for JT, it doesn't have to be first. You know, it doesn't have to be 20th. If he's 40th, 45th, 50th in strokes game putting, He's going to have a chance to win. So, you know, obviously a lot of focus on that club. Uh, I'll, I'll go number five. And this was this was one of my favorite guys on our list. Number five, Jason best Day. player of the last 10 years, Mr. Jason Day. Oh, how soon we forget, Andy. Uh, ranked number one in the world, the third most of anybody in the last 10 years. That was 51 weeks behind just Dustin Johnson and Rory. 11 PGA Tour wins. Of course, the major championship which he did by holding off arguably the hottest player during the entire decade span of 2015, Jordan Spieth. By the way, Spieth shot 17 under that week. That would have won every other PGA championship over the last 10 years in terms of scoring. His 2015, 20 starts, five wins, 11 top 10s, and 15 top 25s. He won Tory, Canada, the PGA, the Barclays, and the BMW championship. I mean, you know, he was... You, you talk about the best player, right? You said that earlier about Hideki. Were you the best player during a stretch? Jason Day was the best player in golf during a stretch. And frankly, it, it wasn't quite close to the way he was playing. Yeah. I mean, you, you want to talk about a spurt of dominance. I, I was, as I was thinking about this last night, I think he's Is he your got, number five, by the way? Yeah, he's my number five also. So gotcha. I think as, if you think about um, golf, you have your whole career, right? And Phil's like a perfect example. He's racked stuff over a whole career. But then when you start to narrow it down, it's like, what what are your 10 best years? And Jason Day scores really well when you look at his 10 best years. And then you narrow it down even more to your best year. And Jason Day, he if you did just best season, Jason Day would probably be higher on this list because of how good that year was. Um with Jason Day, I think the thing that goes overlooked, everybody always talks about that one season, but just how damn good he was in major championships in all the years leading up to that year. Um, he was a guy that almost won a ton of Masters, a couple Masters, like, you know, back nine Sunday, late, you know, he's playing 15, 16, 17, and he's got a shot to win type of contention, not fake contention. So you look at Jason Day, he's got seven top fives in majors that he didn't win. So he he was a consistent force over the last 10 years. And that includes like a couple stinker years. Like we're looking at Jason Day with really like three down or three, two to three down years the last couple years in this in this kind of you know lens. So we're not even getting the best 10 years of Jason Day because if you if you wanted that, you'd go a little bit further. You might nudge this to 2009. Um, so you look at Jason Day. I mean, he's a he's a Hall of Famer. It's plain and simple. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a great player, a a generational talent, and um, 
Yeah, I think he's actually like widely underrated because of some of the injury issues that plagued the end of his career and him not getting to exactly where everybody thought he would get to because his body broke down. I think you and I are on the same page here in terms of very, very underrated of Jason Day, his last 10 years. And again, very forgotten because right now we talk a lot about Colin. We talk a lot about Victor. We talk a lot about John Rahm and obviously about Scotty Scheffler. And then we talk about Jordan and Justin and Rory and, and DJ and those types of players. And Jason Day is the name that continually gets left off of that list because he hasn't played great the last couple of years. But Jason Day was a force, man. I mean, he was, like you said, he was there at majors. We expected him to win majors. I mean, he was kind of that next guy to win a green jacket, right? Which he obviously hasn't done to this point. I, I just feel like we will forget that run of Jason Day when he was pushing Jordan Spieth. Who's your, uh, who's your number four? I got Jordan Spieth. So three majors, uh, an elevated, uh, one elevated win. I think this is where Jordan falls a little short is that a lot of his, his tour wins, he's got 11 other tour wins that all are smaller events. He has kind of cleaned up and this is what got the Marco rich man's Marco Mira comp is that he kind of cleans <laughs> up at, at events where the best players aren't there. Um, and so he's got three majors. This is not a knock. I mean, I have him number four on the, on the last 10 years. The three majors is obviously the thing that carries him. And then also he's contended at a lot of other majors. He's got seven top fives in, in major championships. So obviously a great run. I just think where he falls short is when the best players are in the, in the field and it's not Augusta National. I don't think he's, you know, or a golf course that really fits his game. He's not a guy that's racking up wins. So I have Jordan Spieth three on my list. I have Brooks Kepka four on my list. I have Spieth just edging out Kepka. Now I know you have your, your analytics. Mine was a little bit more resume to resume. Um, you know, Kepka with the eight PGA tour wins, uh, obviously does not tell the Kepka story. Twenty. I, okay. So can, can I go back with Kepka for a bit before we get into Spieth versus yeah. Kepka? Cause I'm assuming Kepka's probably three. Is he three on your list? Yeah, he's, he's three. The Kepka score story goes back to 2013, which is very interesting when you kind of look at this 10-year window, right? Uh, some some Justin Ray stuff on him. Um, has the most major wins of anybody in the span. Has the most strokes gained total per round in major since 2013. Uh, this is bananas, by the way. Kepka has the best cumulative score to par in majors over the last 10 years. Brooks Kepka's at 84 under. The next best is 36 under. That's 48-shot difference. Uh, best scoring average in majors since 2013, best scoring, uh, best scoring, you know, both uh, when you look at like 30 rounds and 50 rounds and the most top five finishes of anybody in majors since 2013 at 12. When you look at Kepka, obviously the focus is around the majors. And when you dive into the stats, it kind of backs it up. I mean, he plays better than anybody else in major championships. And for you and I, who are kind of old school in terms of how we rate players, we really focus on the majors more than anything else. And this is the best major championship player of the last decade. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, you hit the nail on the head. He, he, where he doesn't pick up stuff is, is picking off these tour wins. But if you consider being relevant in majors, I, I think that's the thing that this my, my point scale does is that it, it if you finish second at a major championship, you're more relevant in a way than when you win for one week on tour. You remember the guy that finishes second at a major more than the guy that won the 2016 heritage, right? That's just like, yep. it's just a thing like, and you're, you're on, you know, on a show that you're on live from 
you're getting a 15 minute feature about your performance that lots of people are watching. You know, it, that's kind of the way I conceptualize this. And, and with Kepka, it's, it's hard to find a player that's, you know, the, the major championship relevance is just so huge. He's got the most major wins and the most top fives of any player on this list in the last 10 years. And, and that it, it's especially interesting because he wasn't even playing the majors until 2014. So he he's, he's short right. a year and he's still lapping the field in, in these categories. So fourth on the list of players ranked number one in the world during that stretch, Kepka was with 47 weeks. So that's, let me, let that's me make another, my speech That's point. another amazing, um, he's fifth actually fifth because day had 51 weeks. But Tiger being third on the number of weeks at world number one of this list is another obscene Tiger thing, right? Because <laughs> you got DJ I at mean, one it's and just a... Rory, and then Tiger. Tiger is the third, has the third longest time at world number one. So my so Justin Ray doesn't have Tiger on this. So I'm I'm wondering if it's something about how many, like if it's just starts, but he doesn't even have Tiger on the list. So maybe. Um, it was just an omission, but I've got DJ Rory Day, Kepka, but was Tiger was world Tiger, number one I have in twenty thirteen? Sixty weeks. Yeah, let's see. It here. Was right let's in see. I got the thing right here. Look at this. I got. Yeah, let me see here. Twenty thirteen. Um, yeah, Tiger got Tiger got back to world number one. Yeah, sixty weeks. You're right. So he would have been third on the list, which is as you said, absolutely incredible. So um, my my case for Spieth being ahead of Kepka. Okay, um, more wins on the PJ Tour, of course, fourteen of those. Um, he won three majors and the important part of that is there two Australian open wins. Yep. Yep. Three, all, all three different majors. I mean, this is very important. I mean, that's very hard to do is to win, you know, different major championships. It's no knock to Kepka winning four of four. Right. But I mean, he won two U S opens and two PGAs and Jordan's won at Augusta and an open, uh, and obviously a U.S. open. Yeah. Um, he won the Australian on, hold open on. twice. I'm going to push back on that. You can't, you can't okay. throw that in Kepka's face because he's literally almost won every one. You know, he he finished. No, second I'm not. I'm not. I'm not throwing it at him. I'm not throwing it at him. I'm just saying that there there is a little bit of a different thing to win three different majors versus to win. Uh, you know, if you won, if you and I were going to say, do you want to win? You want to have a career where you won three majors and they're all three different, or three majors and they're two of the same? I think you and I would obviously pick the three different ones, right? I mean, I, I think that would probably. I mean, we talk about the career Grand Slam a lot, right? And I mean, that is the definitive, you know, crew to join. And so, I mean, if that's the point in speech to step closer to that, I think it's at least worth mentioning. You mentioned the Australian Open twice. He won the Hero in 2014 by 10 shots. Easy to forget about that. He was Rookie of the Year in 2013, Player of the Year in 15, FedEx Cup in 15, uh, second most majors behind only Brooks, uh, tied DJ for second best score to par in the majors behind Brooks, second most top five finishes in majors behind Brooks, and top most top three finishes in majors, by the way, is Jordan Spieth in that run. So I obviously hear what you say about some of the wins from Jordan Spieth, but he still plays well in the big events as well. I think that's important to say. He hadn't won a players, you know, he hasn't won at Riviera and some of these places that you need to win to kind of like continue to, to beef up your resume. But he's got a lot of victories and obviously he's done what he needs to do in the majors. So I think where where I would also push back on an eye test thing, if if you're if we're just teeing it up at a random course tomorrow brooks is brooks is going to be a better fit at more golf courses his game translates and works everywhere 
And I think Spieth, if you take away Augusta National out of the uh, out of the picture, which you can't really, but like if you if we just hypothetically take Augusta out, all of a sudden right. his resume looks a lot weaker. Yeah, it's I mean, it's it's a fair point. I mean, I think I think Jordan gets slept on a little bit in that regard. I totally agree with you that Kepka seems to have the type of golf game that is going to play anywhere in bad conditions, in good conditions. He can go really low if he needs to, but he can obviously kind of grind out par level major championship scoring. I, I was, I was, this was the hardest one for me. So it's very have him flip was Kepka versus Jordan. I mean, I feel like they're somewhere three and four and it's just hard to make the case either way because they've both done such incredible stuff. And Andy, they have very different resumes. I mean, that's what's so wild about them is you've got one guy that's picked up a lot of PGA tour wins and played really well in majors. And you've got one guy that hasn't picked up as many PGA tour wins, but has been incredibly relevant in majors over the last six years. Yeah, yeah, and and wildly different golf games too, which makes it even yes. more. You know, it's like one's uh one's more of a bludgeoner and the modern typified player, and then you've got Spieth. That's that's such a it's like a romantic game. Like it, it it's easy to love Spieth because of how he plays golf. So I'll let you start with number two because I, uh, I I'm I'm guessing it's probably the same for the both of us. But Rory, you have the number two best player of this generation. Yep, same for me. I I thought Rory would be number one, and and then I did DJs, and it's not really even close. Yeah, I, I was kind of dude. It's so funny. I, you and I approach this differently with kind of different ways to look at it. I'm I'm right there with you. I don't even think it's close for who the best player of the last decade has been. I'll also say that Rory and DJ are at like a completely different level than Brooks and Jordan. That's Correct. the other thing Correct. is that they, they aren't even close to those guys. So they're the clear two tops, but I think like Dustin, the, the amount of separation Dustin has in my book from, from Rory is significant. And the amount of separation Rory has from Brooks and, and Jordan and Jason day, those three are all pretty close is really significant too. So Rory has 14 PGA Tour wins the last 10 years, three European Tour wins, two majors of players, two FedEx Cups, two Race to Dubai wins, PGA Tour Player of the Year twice. He has the most top 10s and majors of any player during that span with 18. Um, and here's some of the stats that he's led in over the last 10 years. Most strokes gained tee to green, most strokes gained ball striking, most strokes gained off the tee. Uh, second of the players that have been world number one over the last 10 years, only to DJ at 88 weeks is Rory McIlroy. I mean, you know, I mean, there's a reason that we still like to talk about Rory at majors, and it's because of these types of resume things. I mean, he has just been relevant in and out of every year. We haven't really seen him completely fall off. I know he's lost his game a bit a couple of years ago, but I feel like Rory's one of those guys that pops up a lot and just kind of picks up a victory here and there, right? And it just kind of keeps that relevance continuing. Yeah, he's one of the players in the, uh, you know, one of the few players. And in, in I think like once you get to about J uh, Justin Thomas on on the list of players, if you include Rom probably in this too, he's one of like six guys that, that can win without their A game, you know? And I think that speaks volumes. Like when we talk about he could be struggling and pick off a win here or there is like, he everything doesn't have to click for for Rory to win. You can Rory can win, and you can be like, you know what? He didn't play that great because when you see everything click, it's just at a different level as as it shown here by him being at the very top of the the list of players over the last ten years. 
And I think the consistency is the thing that gets a little bit slept on with Rory. Uh, there, it's so easy to nitpick and pick holes, but the guy has been in the top 15 in the world rankings for since he was since like 2011. It's just a wild run. He's been ultra consistent and he's won at a really high rate. He's contended while a lot of them maybe are backdoors. You know, the, the, the scores that you make on Thursday count the same as the scores you make on Sunday. And, Correct. you know, if you, if you finish second at, at a masters, that means you were, you know, one, only one guy played better than you, uh, even though it was largely because of a Sunday charge. And, and I think you could pick poke holes in it, but he beat everybody else in that field last week or two weeks ago. So I think Rory at the top, it, you know, I think the, it's been a little bit disappointing for people that expected him to go. I think that's the thing is when you look at his career, you know, it, the trajectory he was on after 2014 at when he had gotten to four majors was seemingly looking at a potential like Phil type career, maybe between Phil and tiger. And he's not going to get there. I don't think like that's, that's just not, not going to happen. But that being said, he's going to be one of the great players of his generation. Do you, uh, I know you touched a little bit on this after, you know, the Monday at the masters, but I mean, do you see what he did in that final round, like helping him win another major? Like, is that, is that going to be a one-off type of day where he played great and it was awesome or because all I could think about was you don't get a lot of win. Like you don't get a lot of wins in golf. Now. I mean, Rory wins a lot, right? But for Rory, Every major he goes to, he's answering the same questions, right? He's answering, you know, it's been since 2014. You know, what's going on? Why are you not playing better in the majors? Why do you not play better at Augusta National? Like, he hasn't walked away from a major since 2014 with a single positive vibe, I don't think. Because it's just been a beatdown. It's been about you didn't play well and you played well on Sunday or you were in contention and you, you couldn't get it done. I mean, think about playing with Spieth uh, on that Saturday at Augusta. What was that, 2016? And then, of course, playing with Patrick Reed where he flags it on two and then he doesn't make that. And all of a sudden, you know, he's, he's just not even in the tournament anymore. This, without a victory, I could see this being as important a, a, an event for Rory as he's had in his career, considering what he could take away from the Masters if he chooses to take away the positives. Yeah, I, I think from the sense it's been the first round that he's played in a major championship where you were like, you know what? He didn't stall out. That's the thing I think that's been most frustrating about Rory McIlroy over the last eight years has been, it's just, he would take two steps forward and one step back all the time. It's like, oh, Rory's on this run. He's made four birdies in a row. And then it's just like, he's in the middle of the fairway with a wedge in his hand. He makes bogey. And you're like, how does this happen? And finally, (laughs) he put together a cohesive round. I think, the one thing that alarms me about Rory is the way he talks now at majors as opposed to the way he was. I, I think major championships get harder. It's that Padraig Harrington quote, you know, experiences and all is cracked up to be uh, when you when you gain experience, you lose innocence. Rory this year at the Masters was talking about how you just have to stay in it and give yourself a chance. And that's not Rory as a 20, 24 year old. Rory is a 24 year old showed up and just said, I'm going to beat the shit out of you and would, would run away with majors. And 
that Rory on Sunday, that that round of golf was a throwback Rory. That was a Rory where he beat the what was he three shots better than the best scorer of the day? You know, he just right. utterly dominated. And he can do that. He's got the golf game to do that. And that's what I think is so maddening about him. I think the mentality needs to get back to that. It it can't be, I'm just going to hang around and give myself a shot. Because you know what you're going to do if you think that way? You're going to shoot a lot of 72s. And 72s are good in, in U.S. Opens, but in the first rounds of the of the Masters, you can't be doing that when Sky Scheffler went out and was 8-under. Sky Scheffler had a five-shot lead going into the third round of the Masters. It, he won the tournament on mon- on Thursday and Friday. Right. right. And that's what Rory used to do. So I, I watch I watched the shark thing on ESPN yet last night, and I hadn't seen it yet. And um, they, can you believe they sent him out to Augusta to to re, re, <laughs> rethink over his shot? It was it was I'll say this. It was awesome. I mean, I was like super into it, but. I kept thinking about they showed 86 and Norman was, you know, he'd played himself out of it and then he locked right back in and he birdied. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it. I I, I just, I, I wanted to watch it, but my TV wasn't working last night. Something oh, with the nice. internet. Got like my microphone today. So, so he birdied, he was out of it. You know, he was, he was having the chase Jack and he birdied 14, 15, 16, 17. Birdies. 14, 15, 16, 17. We talk about Schwartzel all the time, right? In that finish. I mean, Greg Norman trying to chase down Jack. And if you want to talk about a somber Augusta National like what we saw in 2018, imagine if Norman would have taken down Jack in 86 uh-huh. with what Jack had done. And of course, he he talks at length about this, the shot into 18. But I took this away and I wanted to throw this your way, Andy. And I don't know if you've heard this a lot or if people talked about this a lot because I haven't heard it a bunch. But do we need to be comping Rory to Greg a little more than we are? Because they both burst on the scene out of these places we hadn't seen a ton of great young golf from. They were exceptional from the start, and they were dominant at length in what they were able to do with the golf game. And also, Andy, Greg Norman was the next Jack, and Rory McIlroy was the next Tiger. I mean, they got saddled with that when they were basically teenagers. And Greg Norman never could quite live up to the expectations, right, especially in the big events. And even with four major championships of what we've seen from Rory McIlroy, I would say that if you polled golf fans, true golf fans, of what they thought about Rory McIlroy's career, I bet you'd get a lot of people responding disappointed. And so is there a level of Norman and Rory comparable? Yeah, I I think at first your first reaction is you're insulting Rory because Norman Agreed. only has the Agreed. two majors. But when you look at Norman at, at a whole body of work, he was utterly dominant. I mean, across the world dominance for a long stretch of time in the in the game of golf. And I think in a way when you if you if you I wish I had done Norman's numbers here. Um, because if you peel away the major disappointment, you can't look at Norman's career and say that it was at all a disappointment because of how much winning he did across the world. The sustained dominance at world number one, like the sustained time period, I think he's in the 300 plus weeks at world number one, which is unheard of really. Obviously the, the stat didn't exist until the eighties, but you know, he was at the top of the game for 331. Yeah. 
three hundred and thirty one. That's that's six years effectively plus of world number one, which is crazy. I mean, when you think about like think about what we've been we've been passing off the world number one status for the last, you know, essentially since twenty two thousand eight, it's been a hot potato. Greg Norman had it for six years. So I don't think that's an insulting take. Yeah, I, it was. I was just. I kept thinking about it last night when I was watching. I just kept thinking about uh, Norman Rory. Even even that run, even '86, it reminded me of this year. I mean, that there is a chance that at the end of this major season, the most fun golf watching of a major will be Rory on Sunday at the Masters because of what was potentially happening. Right? I mean, we kind of knew Scotty Scheffler was going to win, but it was like, man, maybe Rory's going to do it. And I can only imagine what it felt like in '86 for Australian golf fans or for Greg Norman fans thinking. This guy might actually birdie out and win this thing. And, of course, he made bogey uh, on 18 when he kind of fanned that four iron. All right, number one, you and I both have number one, Dustin Johnson. I would say the easiest pick on the list. Were you surprised, Andy, when you started to go through some of his numbers? Were you surprised at all at how good he's been? I you, I was like, I thought Rory and DJ would be right at the top, and I thought Rory might be at the top. But then I started going through all of the WGCs and the FedEx uh, FedEx playoff events and the Rivieras that he's won. And I was like, oh, my God. I mean, 11, what I call elevated event wins, 11 in, in the last 10 years. He's picking off. He's effectively picking off a when everybody shows up event every year, which tells at once a year. He's the best player in a field of the best players, which nobody else can say on this list. Most wins in the span by anybody with 18. Most weeks in world number one during the span, 135 weeks. That's 47 more weeks than Rory McIlroy, who is at second. Um, he's won at Augusta, Oakmont, Riviera. I, I think things like this, Andy, he shot 30 under to win a playoff event by 11. Um, he's won at Kapalua and at TPC River Highlands. So, He's kind of winning on two golf courses that are asking totally different questions. Uh, I mean, he went 5-0-0 at a Ryder Cup. That's the fourth person that's ever done that in the first time since 1979. I mean, these things matter, right? Dustin has done so much, and at different types of events, different types of golf courses, different ways to win, he's been able to, to your point, dominate. He's been able to be dominant at golf tournaments and golf events, and they're kind of in different years at different times in his career. Uh, against different competition you know like this this is like this is the most underrated guy of this generation i think right is dustin johnson i mean we talk about the majors so much but what dustin has been able to do and sustain is at any time during the year he could potentially be the best player in golf yeah and, and i think the thing with dj too that you look at and i think we're probably at the end of his run here you know i don't i don't know how many more years of of dominance so this is a kind of a good time to have this discussion is that we're kind of probably at the twilight of his prime is that with with dj he only has two majors but in terms of impact at majors there's there there's very few guys that he feels like he probably should have three or four um and you know top fives are one way to look at it but you know, the Chambers Bay, you know, there's a lot of masters where, you know, coming down the stretch, he was, he could have won um, easily. And you start to look at it that way. And it, 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 and on top of the WGCs, like, I mean, there's a reason that DJ and Tiger just dominate WGCs because they're, you know, when DJ 
DJ has it going. There's zero weakness in that golf game. You know, he's he's great off the tee. He's arguably the best player off the tee when he's when it's going. He's a great wedge player and he's a great putter. And and it's just, you know, all around great player. I think probably gets diminished by his, you know, people kind of pointing out that he doesn't give as as thoughtful of answers as Rory or John Rahm. You know, uh, I think that's something that that people take away from his legacy. He's not. I guess the thing about DJ is he's the greatest player in golf. That's not in the in the mold of other great players. Uh, you know, when they talk on the microphone, I think you nailed it. What he's done publicly, it it, it doesn't. It's not the same as Jack and Tom Watson and Rory and Jordan Spieth. And that's not wrong. It just maybe changes our perception a little bit. What about uh, what about this comp? What if what if about he's Kevin Garnett, um, where you have like you know Kevin Garnett played with in the era of Kobe and and uh, Tim Duncan, and those guys won a lot more championships than he won. You know, had a lot more press, a lot more love. But and and Kevin Garnett, meanwhile, toiled away most of his prime in this small market. You know, not a lot of media attention as as uh, DJ kind of gets. But physically and skill wise, was every bit uh, as good as as other guys. He just wasn't surrounded in the situations that the other the other players were were benefited. And he picked up you know wins. But you know, all time great player, maybe. Maybe if in a better situation, a better player than those guys, but you know, a just an all time great that was a little underappreciated when he was doing what he was doing. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I, I think again, it's kind of one of those your favorite basketball players, favorite basketball player. I mean, I think if you talked to a lot of those players in their prime, you'd have a lot of people saying how much they loved Kevin Garnett, hated playing against him, um, and knew how much energy he'd bring. I also hope this means Dustin's going to have a show. You know, when he gets done playing, you know, on I don't know if it's on Golf Channel or something, but maybe Dustin has a show where he just like scream, screams at the camera and just eats sandwiches every day. I'd be totally into that. All right, let's go over our top 10. Uh, I'll start number 10 for me, Phil Mickelson, nine, Hideki, eight, Patrick Reed, seven was Tiger Woods, six, JT, five, Jason Day, four, Kepka, three, Jordan Spieth, two, Rory and Dustin Johnson. Andy. I've got number 10, Bubba Watson, number nine, John Rahm, number eight, Justin Rose, uh, number seven, Tiger Woods, six, Justin Thomas, five, Jason Day, four, Jordan Spieth, three, Brooks Kepka, two, Rory, and one, DJ. A big thanks to Andy. Make sure you check out all of his work at the Fried Egg. They do an amazing job over there. Make sure you're following him on social media at Andy T. F-E, like the fried egg. Uh, subscribe to the Shotgun Start three days a week. Those guys crush it on that podcast as well. I occasionally sneak over there and jump on uh, with Brendan and Andy when they when they need to fill in or when they need a guest there as well. So hope you guys are having a great week. Uh, also, check out that Golf Today podcast. If you didn't know that existed, we have a podcast in and around Golf Today on Golf Channel, and that podcast is daily. So if you're looking for a place to get golf news and information and interviews every single day, It's a great podcast to subscribe to and listen to, so check that out, the Golf Today podcast. That's it. We'll be back next week. Get a Grip with Shane Bacon is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.